Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to another special edition of the Steam Cleaners podcast. I am your host, uh, and I am very excited to talk about two completely different games, games that we have not uh, talked about on this podcast before, because that's the whole gimmick of the show, is that we play new games every two weeks, talk about them. And of course, when I say we, I am referring to my lovely co-host, Walter Ciedes Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, bud? I am doing very, very well. I do not know if I have brought up on the podcast before, but uh, a couple months ago, I bought a new grill. I bought a very nice uh, pellet grill slash smoker because I have now entered my 30s, and apparently that's something us white suburbanite men do, is we get really into grilling and, and meat and smoking. Uh, so I finally used it for the very first time. Uh, it is, it's been a lovely 70, uh, up, you know, mid, uh, to, mid to lower 70s last couple of days. And now that uh, I am, uh, you know, co- out of COVID quarantine, I figured, screw it, I got some time. And I made some delicious uh, bone-in smoked chicken thighs today. Uh, fantastic. Might be the best chicken I've ever cooked. Uh, Chase, mm. just flavor-wise, the rub. Like, the, t- Tell me if this sounds good. We got some brown sugar in there. Of course you do. We got some salt and pepper. You got to have S&P. We got some onion powder and garlic powder. Okay. We got a little bit of cayenne pepper. And then the piece de resistance, some smoked paprika. Does that oh, sound yeah. up your alley? That's a classic. That's a tried and true successful formula, my friend. I'm telling you, th- this chicken might be the best chicken I've ever cooked. And I have, you know, now that I've used the grill, and I've used the, you know, the uh, Bluetooth thermometer that I got with it to keep temperature. I, I'm, I don't, it might be a couple weekends because I got some stuff coming up, you know, on the weekend to do. But I, I'm going to smoke something for like 12 plus hours and I, I can't wait to see how it turns oh. out. So... I'm excited. Really, the, the slow cooking goes such a long way. Um, it really is a, an art, and I uh, am very, uh, very jealous. That sounds delicious. What What about you? What What have you been up to? Ah, well, uh, I guess if we're gonna stick on the food theme, uh, I've been all in on uh, Hello Fresh for a little bit now. This is not a plug. Um, but I will say that I've been very much enjoying not having to shop for my own ingredients to have recipes that are actually fun to cook. And I did a Tunisian chicken recently over a bed of tabula with some cucumber and feta cheese that was absolutely to die for. And one of the healthiest things per bite I have ever eaten. Um, really fun stuff. I, I love getting to to try different recipes and in different ways of, of doing things than I would pick out if I was just stuck to my own devices. But Walter, this is not a food podcast. <laughs> we could we could potentially turn it into one. There's nothing wrong with it. I was gonna ask podcast. you what tabula is. Oh, uh it is a uh Mediterranean grain. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yes. Uh you can uh, uh it's usually uh mixed up in a, a salad of sorts. I, I will um I'll send you a, a good image. Just imagine some Tunisian chicken over <laughs> this baby right here. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, that does yeah, look I'm, good. That looks tasty. I'm all about that Mediterranean uh, Middle Eastern cuisine life. But <laughs> you know what else I'm, I'm also about, uh, Walter? That would be uh, playing video games. And you played one this week, uh, including on stream for a bit, that uh, looked like quite a bit of fun. 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, as I mentioned, uh, actually, I think at the podcast after this one, so next week, the, the movie podcast, I'll mention, I, I caught COVID. I had COVID right after we finished recording Spencer. Uh, the next day I tested positive, so I had some time to myself. And like I said on the last episode of Steam Cleaners, I, I was going to play Destroy All Humans. And that's what I played, and I did. I played the first uh, four hours of it or so on stream uh, because Tuesday night, the night that I streamed it, uh, is normally my date night with my partner. And I, you know, was quarantining away from her. And I said, hey, I'm going to play Destroy All Humans. Do, do you want to watch? And she's like, absolutely, I want to watch you play this game. So I threw on the stream for a couple hours while I played it. Um, definitely wasn't, like, interactive, wasn't really paying attention to Twitch because I was like, I, I literally am just doing this so she could watch. And she was kind of <laughs> harassing me through text messages or banging on the wall because our <laughs> offices are right next to each other. Um, this is a game that has been on a pedestal and on a to-play list uh, since I was, like, 14, 13 years old when it came out in 2005. Um, it was the very first game that I ever approached my parents about purchasing and being like, hey, I really want this game. Like, I had Christmas money or whatever. And my parents were like, uh, no, you have younger siblings. There's no way that we're going to allow you to play a uh, um, uh, a game with that rating. I can't remember if it was T or if it was M when it came out. I feel like it was probably M. Um, but it like, seems like an M it, game it, it, it's ridiculousness. Yeah, it's probably an M game, but like, wouldn't let me get it. So it has been on this sort of this pedestal of like, hey, like something from my childhood I never got to play, like maybe I should play it. And the fact that it was in um, in April's Humble Bundle, again, not a plug, I was like, perfect. This is a perfect time for me to play this game. Beautiful, fantastic. I'll download it and I'll play it for, for the show. And, um, you know, the, the saying that you shouldn't meet your heroes because you'll just end up being disappointed. Oh, no. I hate to say it. But 30-year-old Walter was not a big fan of this game. Um, I have a lot of problems with it that I, I'm going to preface this and say I had a little conversation with my partner where I was like, oh, I fucking hate this game. This game's awful. It's like, that's not actually how I feel. I have to understand this game is not made for 30-year-old Walter Fedchuk. This game is made for 13- to 14-year-old Walter Fedchuk. And because I didn't play it then... It does not have the same attachment or nostalgia factor that they are going after now. Um, this is a remake, and from everything that I read, it stays pretty tried and true to the original game. It's not really like they didn't change much of the story or anything like that or the mechanics. It's, it's pretty faithful, and just that they um, you know, bumped up the graphics, they cleaned it up, and they made it playable on the modern, modern game systems. Uh, the premise of the game is that you are um, you're an alien um, named Crypto, and you are sent to the planet Earth to uh, find your um, your predecessor. You're all clones, so you're trying to find Crypto One Thirty Six, and you're sent here to find him and take revenge on humanity for downing his saucer and you get into all kind of wacky hijinks that if you played video games in 2005 this is kind of like those mascot games you know the spyros the banjo kazooies the uh the donkey kongs of you know 3d kind of semi-open play space where you're you're you know got multiple objectives i think spyro is a really good comparison um, and to me, it feels like a game that was designed in 2005. Um, it's not 
overly challenging except for like the challenging parts and then it's not challenging because it's like it's like difficult mechanics or anything it's just frustrating um and that that's the best word to sum it up it's frustrating it is a frustrating game and a frustrating experience for me to be playing like i said you know uh it was put out in 2005 so we're talking about 17 years later or whatever you know that's always the thing with these remastered games right because uh, i've had two different experiences uh th- of, of a similar line games that i didn't play when i was growing up outside of the occasional turn at a friend's house because i didn't have a playstation so i got the spyro remastered and i got the crash bandicoot remastered and the spyro one i ended up really enjoying i thought that game aged very well I, the collectathon kind of angle that it brings is something that we don't get a lot of nowadays uh and i thought the platforming was pretty tight though funnily enough i thought the earlier game uh was uh the first two games were better than the third one just because they were a little bit more focused due to the limitations that they had at the time uh and then crash bandicoot did not care for that uh certainly uh just as difficult as it used to be but in a way that feels kind of finicky and frustrating uh so i'd never really made uh nearly as much progress on that so when you talk about the game not necessarily having aged well is it a, a clunkiness thing? Is it a uh, the humor being out of date? Because I can't imagine they were prepared for crypto to have a very different meaning in 2020 than it did when they gave them the name in 2005. Like, what's what's the part that really gets held back? I mean, you honestly you nailed both of them right there. I'll I'll start with the humor because it is I think out of everything. Like, it's a game that was made in 2005. Like, of course it's going to be clunky. Like, you have to just accept it's going to be. That's what game design was at the time. And you have to accept that they had limitations and that all the, you know, spit and polish that you can put out of a, you know, 1080, uh, NVIDIA 1080 or an Xbox One or a PS5 or, you know, whatever virtual reality system they eventually put it on. Like, it, it can only go so far. Um, but yeah, the humor is sophomoric, um, almost to parody, which might have been the point but i don't think so because again it was created in 2005 sort of the heyday and the the pinnacle of south park and futurama and family guy and that sort of mid-2000s pre-pc in quotes kind of culture um and i just don't care for it i don't care for the humor i don't think it's all that funny and when that's one of the big like marketing points for these sort of mascot games is like oh it's a character and you like the character whether it's you know that it's a lovable you know spyro with his sometimes you know his little one-liners or ratchet and clank or um or or banjo kazooie like all these different characters like you have to like the characters and there is supposed to be some wit to it but yeah it's just dude it fucking sucks like it's just not funny it's not enjoyable it's not entertaining and then when you add in the sort of clunkiness of the controls i didn't finish the game i did i played the four hours last tuesday and the today i put a couple more hours into it because i did want to try and finish it to be like yeah i finished the game and everything i'm saying kind of holds up um i got to what i think was the final boss i didn't go back and check um because two things happened so 
there's only like three boss fights from what I can tell. And they do the very old school antiquated thing of there's three phases to them. And as each phase you progress, they there's more and more mechanics that you have to deal with or differing mechanics or whatever. So I, I beat the penultimate, what I think is the penultimate boss. And I was on the final boss here. And the penultimate boss took me a couple tries. Like it was difficult in quotation marks, but again, more frustrating than difficult. So I'm on the third boss and I get into the third phase and there is a mechanic where something happens in the environment and you need to get to these shielded areas to protect yourself. And this is the second time that I've tried to go through this, this boss because I died to one of these instances earlier and I'm like, cool, I know it's coming. So I got to the third phase and I am hiding because I took a lot of damage and I'm replenishing my shields. And then this event happens where I have to move and I clipped into part of the terrain, got stuck died from the mechanic, let out an expletive because I was fucking pissed, and then the game crashed, and then I shut it off because <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't having fun. It was a chore to play, and I was like, I've played six and a half hours of this game. Like, even if I beat this, like, even if I beat this final boss, am I going to feel anything? Like, is this going to bring me joy? Am I going to be like, yeah, I beat Destroy All Humans 2022 edition. I'm like, I'm, I'm dead inside after playing this game. And I feel so disappointed that this has been something. It's not like it's fucking, you know, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, something I have never played in my life. It's not like it's Final Fantasy VII, something I've never played in my life and is something that you know a majority of people think is like the pinnacle you know pinnacle of video game design or whatever it's fucking destroy all humans and this was my this was my great white whale and i got it and i like made it made a few attempts at capturing it and i'm just like fuck dude i can't be bothered with this i can't believe i spent 17 years waiting to play this game and it's not good it's not for me I won't say it's not good. It's not for me. It is for a 13-year-old boy in 2005, or it is for someone who was a 2013-year-old boy in 2005 and played this game and had fond memories of playing this game. This is not a game for me, and I know what your next question is. This is not a game that I recommend. <laughs> it's not yeah i feel i feel like it's not a game that the game would recommend given how it quit on you right at the end there you know like that's kind of a sign from the universe that that one wasn't meant to continue if ever i've heard one um and for the record having looked at the critical scores it does not seem like you were alone in that opinion um it's faithfulness to the original praised uh but they didn't fix any of the problems and in this time you know you can do that. A lot of time has passed. You can make changes. You can uh, upgrade and fix the things that people didn't have the ability to fix back then. Though I will say, uh, looking at games that came out in 2005, because you, you point out, well, you know, games were just clunkier back then. Uh, could I point you to Psychonauts, Resident Evil 4, and Shadow of the Colossus? as a counter-argument, that it needs to be clunky. It is um, It is hilarious to me you bring up Psychonauts. Because Psychonauts is... It's a game my partner loves. 
it is a game that is also on that list of Majora's Mask, uh, you know, Final Fantasy VII, these like critically acclaimed games, people that, you know, my generation have all played that I've never played. I've never played Psychonauts. I've never touched it. It's sitting in my Steam library. I can type in, when did I get Psychonauts? Uh, PSY, PSY, Psychonauts. I have had Psychonauts on my computer, on my Steam account for a while. I have never installed it. I've never clicked on it before, apparently. Um, I've watched people play Psychonauts 2 and was like, cool. Now after playing this, again, I don't think I'd ever play Psychonauts. I think that's just a game that I'm never going to touch because it feels very similar to what I just played here in terms of design, in terms of this sort of sophomoric humor. And given my experience with this, I'm not sure I'd want to waste six to eight hours of my life giving it a shot, even though at the time it was probably graded much, much differently than Destroy All Humans it was, and very well could be this masterpiece. I just, I don't think it's for me. I think at the end of the day, it's just not a game that I'm ever going to spend time with. That's fair. You know, um... We will never have enough time to play all of the things. And I think there is, while there is a lot to be said about uh, the games that helped create the ecosystem that we have today, uh, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be equally fun to go back to. So uh, I think it's safe to say you do not recommend this game. Do you think it could have been fixed? Is there a version of this game that could go back in, make some you know, make the controls less clunky, uh, touch up the script a little bit. Could it have gotten there? No. Or is it a concept? No. No. Okay. I the, the, the inherent problem is like, yeah, you could go in, you could clean up the controls, you could make them a little less clunky, you could make the, like, no challenge parts of the game a little bit more challenging and tone down the bosses a little bit. You could tone down the, like, there's one mission where it's just, like, wave assault and you have to just protect two areas. Like, you could adjust complexity of the game and, and mechanics and fix all that stuff. It's still 2005 sophomoric humor that doesn't track today. Like, it's just, it's not funny. It's sort of like Chase. One of the characters in this game, the voice actor is the same voice actor who is Invader Zim. Zim from Invader Zim. Have you considered going back and rewatching Invader Zim in the year of our Lord 2022? No. Do you think no, that TV not. show would hold up in the year of our Lord 2022? No, I do not. Destroy All Humans is not going to hold up in the year of our Lord 2022. I don't think this game is salvageable for a modern audience. And the people that like this game, I, like, if you introduced me to them, I probably wouldn't be surprised who they were. And if you told me, if they, you know, introduced themselves and told me aspects of their personality, I probably wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and again, that's why I say I'm kind of embarrassed and upset with myself that this is one of the games that I have held up on a pedestal into my adulthood of something I never played. And I'm like, I have to play this game. I never got the chance to play it. Destroy all humans. Destroy all humans destroyed your excitement for the game. <laughs> Unfortunate, but it, it do be like that sometimes. Not all of them, when you go back, are going to be hits. 
It do be um, like that. And Chase, you mentioned earlier, you know, we don't have all the time to play all the games. But apparently, this week, you had time to play not only one, but two games. You played two games. You're stealing my bit from me. <laughs> I did steal your bit. One of these games I've had in my back pocket for a bit because it's a game that I'm excited to talk about, uh, but I could never do a full episode on. Um, and that would be Later Alligator uh, by Pillow Fight, the developer. Um, Later Alligator is an adorable game uh, and it's uh, in its core. Uh, you play as a private investigator of sorts who has been hired by a young kid named Pat who is very anxious and paranoid. Uh, his family works for the mafia, uh, and he is afraid that he is going to get murdered at some event that is coming up that night. Uh, that night, by the way, also happening to be his birthday, which I'm sure is entirely unrelated to the thing that everyone in his family keeps being excited about when you talk to them about it. Um, and that's kind of the, the central gimmick of the game. You go around, you talk to family members, each of them has a mini game that you need to complete of various levels of quality. Uh, if I never play another sliding puzzle again, it'll be too soon. But <laughs> a lot of them are genuinely fun. There's a nice pinball one. There's a, a good crane game. There's a, a few different um, like puzzle piece matchups that, that do work out well. Um, and they're very fast. And the idea is every time you complete a mini game, you get a little sticker from that family member and they tell you a little bit more about what is very clearly a birthday party for Pat. Um, and he brushes off all of the advice that you give him because um, he's a little uh, anxious little boy. Um, but at the end of the day, you help him get to his birthday party. Uh, and that's the first playthrough because you're not going to be able to talk to every family member. The first time around, there's simply not enough time in the day. So then you do it a second time. And the second time is where the game really starts to shine. Because not only are you focused on different family members, because you already have the icons from the, the people you talked to in the first game. It is cumulative. Um, but it also means that you have a choice when it comes to uh, certain Pat-focused minigames. You don't have to walk him to his hotel room anymore or help him figure out what shoes to wear if you don't want to. Um, and if you don't, the game will actually cut away and say that you spent the same amount of time just texting him on the phone, helping him walk through his insecurities. And you can scroll up and read the messages and to, you know hear him talk about his fears and the things that help drive him. And you're texting him and helping him come to better accept himself a little bit more and you're keep collecting more and more of these uh, these uh, little badges. And, you know, at the time you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, you know, I, I guess this is just a, a really cute game with a lot of heart behind it and a very likable protagonist. And then you get to the birthday party and this time you push Pat off of a ledge to what is presumably his death. And you're like, wait a second, what in the world is happening? Why is my character after Pat? This is insane. Um, so then you have to play it a third time because you have to figure out now everything has been twisted upside down. Uh, he went from being like, oh, this is so cute. He thinks he's going to get murdered, but it's just a birthday party to you 
straight up murdering this kid. What is happening? Um, and when you play it a third time and you finish collecting all the other puzzle pieces, uh, you get back to that scene, but this time you catch him. And you find out that Pat, having not paid attention to all of the details in a newspaper ad he was reading uh, after getting some ketchup smudged on it, did not hire a private investigator. He hired an assassin on himself. Um, but because you've come to, to know and, and love him by this point, uh, you change your mind about killing him at the last minute and end up saving him and said, and you joke about how silly it all was over breakfast. And that's later alligator. <laughs> Wait, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, uh, he just had some cereal. Um, I think there, uh, there may have been some eggs involved, but it was very like, oh man, I can't believe I hired an assassin on myself. Life sure is funny. <laughs> that's just kind of the, the way it all comes down to. Okay. That's, that is brilliant. That is beautiful. Um, I guess like, was it obvious that you had to play through it multiple times or was it like... I guess why why would you even why would you start a second playthrough other than them saying like oh yeah it's new game plus you can go back and talk to other you know characters you didn't have a chance to talk to like what what spurred you on to play it a second and then even a third time I mean honestly it's just very fast you know it's not a a crazy long game all the mini games are pretty quick on the draw and you it, it feels satisfying to complete each of them right and you get to know these family members a little bit more and all of them are kooky and so you finish the first run through and you're like well i didn't see nearly enough like i haven't talked to even half of the characters yet i haven't seen all of the locations because you can't unlock all of the locations in your first playthrough and so you're incentivized to say well now that i know how the story goes i can kind of skip through a couple of those longer story bits and be very pleasantly surprised by how the text conversation is handled when you do that uh, and try all these different mini games. It's entirely new content. No mini game is repeated. So if you want to see everything the game has to offer because you're having a good time with it, you will naturally play a second time. And to be very clear, I was very happy to play, um, had there not been a second new ending. I just wanted to collect all the badges because I was having fun with all these quick hit mini games. And so when you push Pat off the ledge, it was a what? And I immediately jumped into playthrough three. I had to know before I was done with my day what had been going on there because it was such a cute, silly, lighthearted, fun game. And that was such a dark twist to end the game on. Like, if you don't go back and do a third playthrough to finish everything up, like, what a note to end on. You just kill this poor anxious kid who was finally at a place in which he felt safe and secure at the birthday party. Like, it's it's such a, a, a really interesting way of handling that narrative. Um, but it's... It's not a particularly long game. It's really, it's these quick hit mini games and these little bits of flavor from every character as you get to know this ex extended family and put the family tree together. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that uh, has a really cute art style and a lot of heart behind it. And if you like that kind of point and click adventure game with a little bit of puzzles and mini games here and there, uh, I think there's a lot to like with later alligator. Yeah, absolutely. But, it, it looking at just like the still images here, 
It looks adorable. It has a lot of, um, it has, like, children's book. I can't remember the book off the top of my head, uh, but, like, children's books kind of vibe. Uh, but, Chase, you, you did say to me that you played a second game. So, mm-hmm. last week you played Kirby, which was just, like, a super cute game all throughout. This one was, like, a cute game, but, like, had a bit of a dark side. So, for your second game, you played, like, Amnesia Dark Descent, right? I mean, I did play something that is categorized as a psychological horror game, depending on who you ask. So, I guess fair? Um, I played the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Ah, okay. Which I I will say, I, I played a little bit of the first game, uh, but not really a ton. It was a game that I found interesting and enjoyed what I did with it. But it was not a game where I felt like at the time I wanted to explore everything. I just got distracted with other things. And so I went in and the game asks you if you've played the game before. And I said no, because I wanted to play through all of it from the very beginning and get a a fresh set of eyes on it. Because I hadn't played it since 2015. It was a very, um, uh, very different time in my life. I was a different person. Um, I... I knew what to expect going in because I'm familiar with the concept and the style of humor, the incredible narration done by Kevin Brighting, who is just an incredible voice actor um, and does such a good job capturing the mood of this omnipotent narrator slash game designer slash uh, arbiter of the universe, depending on what endings you pick, you know? it's It is a game that is hard to talk about. And it's why I wanted to throw a second game in there because everything you say about it is both a spoiler and makes absolutely no sense out of context. <laughs> like I, I, I hear, I'll just give you, um, when you get into the ultra deluxe, one of the new, uh, endings, which by the way, when you're trying to find the new content, don't worry about it. A door pops up that says new content on it. Nice and easy. Um, but then you go through, uh, and it's, uh, after a couple new content runs, uh, you get to an expo for Stanley parable two. And it teases all of these new features that are going to be added, um, that actually stick around by the way, as you play through the rest of the game. Um, but one of them is a bucket and it is the emotional reassurance bucket. And that bucket is the key to almost all of the new endings this game has to offer. And I know what you're thinking, Chase, they can't all be about the bucket. That's like a funny concept for a couple endings, but they can't make, I don't know, 18 different endings out of a bucket. Can they? And to that, I say, you don't know crows, 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 because they can absolutely make 18 endings out of a bucket. And that's really everything you need to know about whether this kind of game is going to be interesting to you or not. It is uh, ridiculous in its concept, but uses that concept to explore some really fascinating things about what it means to play a video game, the agency or lack thereof that a character truly has, the uh, powerlessness uh, in which you can attempt to try to shape a narrative. And what does that mean when everything that a game is has been programmed from the very beginning? Even if you 
There's one uh, an ending that is added to this game that is a bug from the original game. But if you go in and you do the bug, you get down at the bottom of a room you should not be able to get to the bottom to. And they're like, congratulations, you found the bottom of this room ending. Here's a special song just for you. And it's a two minute, very badly sung song about how you found this bug ending and how smart and clever that makes you. And that's the kind of game that this is from start to finish. It is nonstop. It is clever. It is witty. It keeps you on your toes. It is the only game I have played in which I can truly say that there is nothing you can do in this game that this game is not prepared for. You spend too much time in a broom closet and this game has an answer to that. And I, I, I can't think of anything else quite like it. The Stanley Parable, I have like 45 minutes in, and it was my first uh, experience with like the walking simulator with just like pure narrative storytelling in a video game. Every other game I had played had been a video game, had been, you know, action or sports or, you know, you do a lot of crap and then, you know, it, it goes through a story and you're pressing buttons and you're doing moves and attacks and shooting or whatever. And it was the very first game that I remember having an experience where it's like gaming as a narrative device, like purely as a narrative device. And I, I, I remember enjoying it, but I also remember like that time in my life being like, I've never been a completionist. I've never been a hundred percenter. So I like played through it a few times. I got to a couple of the endings and I was like, cool. Like, I get it. I get like, this is like all about choices and where you end up and it's about the journey, not the destination and yada yada. And I don't know, I, I don't want to click and figure out exactly how many endings I had, but I know that I, I watched a couple playthroughs to see like some of the, the other endings that I had missed. And when I saw like the last like week or two that it came out and they had a new content, it's one of those things where I'm sure I will buy it on a Steam summer sale and I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll go through and I'll play it again a few times and like find some endings and then I'll go watch a playthrough and I'll watch somebody else, you know, find all 20 endings or I'll just, you know, click on some Reddit link that's like, here's all the endings in uh, Stanley Parabola and, uh, and go from there. How, like, how much of it did you play? How many endings did you go after? At what point did you start looking up like which direction to go or did you not do that? So, uh, to answer those questions in order, number one, I saw every ending but one. And the one ending I did not do is one that requires you to play a purposely obnoxious minigame for four hours. Okay, so yes. you can meet the personification of art. Um, <laughs> I looked that one up. I, like, I'll be honest with you, I watched that one so, on YouTube. So, I so, was not... So. Pause right here. I was watching RT Games play through of it, and he got to that moment, and he says, I wonder if there's actually something at the end of this, if, if you play this game for four hours. And mm -hmm. my partner and I both chuckled to each other and said, there is absolutely a hidden ending behind if you play that mini game for four fucking hours. And the fact you're confirming oh, yeah. that to me is just so beautiful. Yeah, two hours in, by the way, they add a second button, and there's also a puppy being dropped into a uh, uh, bucket of piranhas in addition to a baby being led into a fire. Um, it becomes, like, genuinely, like, having to balance the two things. And if you screw up once in four hours, you go to the game's ending, which I did see. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do that. I wasn't willing to spend four hours with that audio and that 
monotonous game. Somebody else could do that one for me. But I did every other ending. Um, and I'll be honest, I did use guides pretty early on. Uh, I did not need to, and I know that I did not need to, but I am very much a completionist, and I knew I wanted to see everything the game had to offer, and I cared more about knowing what was there and what could be explored and making sure that I crossed everything off of the list. Um, so that, that was more important to me. Um, the content and, and what each ending has to offer was more valuable. And I didn't look up like the substance of the endings. There are actually some really great guides out there that will tell you how to get the ending and it'll give you the name of the ending, but it will not tell you anything else about the ending. So I was still surprised by the content. Like I wasn't on like the wiki page trying to find every little detail, but I did have that little guide mark to it, uh, which allowed me to, um, to play through all of these endings in a pretty reasonable amount of time. Um, and by the time you get the bucket, and I cannot stress enough how important the bucket is to this game, uh, the bucket is just going back through almost all of the endings. There is one ending that you, a couple endings you cannot go back through because that leads to the no buckets ending in which you get to determine what is and isn't a bucket in a game show of sorts that is very silly and very fun. Um, but all these other endings are, you just, you have the bucket, you do the thing that you did before, but now it's been recontextualized because you have the bucket and it leads to very different feeling endings. Um, I'm going to spoil one off the top, if that's uh, okay with everybody. I believe this is not a game that can be very easily spoiled because the experience is so much a part of it. I do recommend that you go uh, and play it yourself or watch a playthrough. RT Games, as is, is Walter just recommended, is a really great one. Um, but, you know, uh, one of the like standard endings, one of the first endings that most people will experience is the freedom ending, where you do everything the narrator says and you get to go outside. Um, and if you have a bucket with you, the door stops and closes back up again because the game can't part with the bucket. It understands how special that bucket is. That bucket is everything to this game. And so you're just stuck in darkness with your bucket instead. And it's just a completely different ending as a result. It's a complete reversal of the tone and mood that is trying to be set. Um, and obviously, that's a very bare-bones explanation, right? Because again, the color is everything with this game, and I'm never going to spoil the color of it. I think everyone uh, who is interested in this kind of thing in games as a medium, as an art form, as a meta-narrative, you know, I, I, I don't want to ever spoil any of that. But, you know, to, to put it, uh, to steal a, a commenter from that RT game uh, video, uh, who I thought put it very well. The Stanley Parable, the original one, asked, am I real from the perspective of Stanley? And the Stanley Parable Deluxe Edition stated, it is real to me from the perspective of a narrator. And also there was a bucket. And that's really <laughs> and there was everything a you need to know. And, and as someone who loves exploring these kind of philosophical questions and loves analyzing the medium and the art form. And you're just never going to play another game like it. Um, I'm very much a firm believer in uh, supporting games that uh, cannot uh, be, uh, be replicated. You know, things that are 
are unique experiences uh, that subvert expectations and do so with a kind of stylistic flair that keeps you engaged from start to finish. And uh, in this case, really alternates between uh, some laughs and existential dread. And uh, for that alone, I highly recommend uh, the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. I promise you, you have not played a game like it before. And you're probably not going to play another game quite like it for a while. So uh, enjoy it. Give it a shot. Uh, I think it has a lot to offer. And also, just quick shout out to Crows, Crows, Crows as a developer. Um, so many accessibility options in this game. They've really taken a lot of notes to heart to open it up to as many people as possible. And I think the thread that they made detailing how they did that and the multiple ways in which other games can make themselves more open to that kind of thing really smart, really clever, uh, love seeing that as a, a, as a point of emphasis. And, um, yeah, cross, cross, cross just seemed like a cool, cool, cool game developer. It is a game that everyone should play. And the fact that they tried to make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible is, is really heartwarming. And I, I saw that thread. I, I didn't end up clicking on it just because I'm like, I'm not a game developer, so I know a lot of this is going to be lost on me. But the fact that they would go even to that effort as well to explain how they did it and what they did is, is pretty cool. Um, It's funny to me that you bring up completionism and, and the fact that you wanted to complete everything in this game. Because I had a thought about that with Destroy All Humans. Because, I, 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 like I said, I was trying to beat the game so I could say, oh, I played through all the missions. But there was, you know, side stuff where you can go back and collect the, the their their drones, I guess, in that game. But like in Spyro, how you go back and you try to find all of the fireflies or you or dragonflies, or you try to find all the gems or all this stuff. And as I was playing it, the fact that the game itself, I like I said, I put you know six and a half hours into it, and I I got to like the last mission. It is incredible to me and almost asinine that modern AAA companies like a Ubisoft, like me playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla earlier in the year, that they can have the audacity to make a 70, 80, 120 plus hour story and then also put a map filled with objectives and collectibles and random shit all across it and that a game like the Stanley Parabola can do something so simple as say, hey, what if we took the game we made back in 2013, we we add, we add a few things to it, we change some things up, but at the end of the day, we add a bucket to it, and that's going to convince all of these like weirdos on the internet to go back and replay this game just because we added 18 new endings and like 95% of them are just if you carry a bucket to the end of the normal endings. That is that is like ridiculous to think that these that crows, crows, crows can come up with that idea. And Ubisoft is on the other end here being like, hey, give me $200 so you can climb the, the uh, cathedral at Notre Dame and grab a, like, a piece of paper that's at the top of it. Because if you want 100%, you absolutely have to get this thing. Like, that's just kind of incredible to me. And, and I just had that moment earlier today. And it's funny that you bring up the Stanley Parabola. And you're like, yeah, I looked up a guide. And, like, how many hours have you put into it? Like, how, you beat the game. You did everything except the, the four-hour mm -hmm. minigame, which, like, I can't blame you on not doing that.
Yeah, I think it was five hours. Five hours, and you beat the game. You beat yeah, the game it, in five it, hours, basically. That's insane it, to me. It, it had everything, because it doesn't overstay its welcome. It knows exactly what it wants to be. It knows exactly um, uh, how to get the player there. And it understands how to hit each of these notes really, really well. Um, it's, uh, it's certainly uh, a game in which everything you do matters. Um, it's the little things that make this game work. Uh, even something as simple as quitting and, and reloading out and, and loading back in and uh, changing the time uh, in the game, which it asks you to do a couple times until it stops asking you to do it uh, for reasons. And I, I just, there's a focus. There's a focus that makes it work, that is hard to do. And I guarantee you, like, the reason this game took so long is because they just kept coming up with bucket endings until they decided, well, why don't we just give everything a bucket ending? <laughs> and so that's what they did. Um, and I, I, you know, again, I, I know that when I just say a bucket ending, it sounds like, well, there can't be enough to do there. But the bucket and its relationship and what it's capable of, uh, how it, the narrator feels about it, how the player character feels about it, how the player themselves feels about it, changes all the time based on the endings that are given. And what the Stanley Parable ultimately comes down to is the idea that these things cannot live in concert with each other. They are contradictory narratives, contradictory roles that each of these characters play, depending on what it is that you do. But it's all real. It's all within the confines of this game that we're agreeing to play together. And the only way to, to win, quote unquote, is to stop playing. Everything else you do is eventually going to lead to a reset, is going to lead to some probably negative consequence. Um, and to be able to do that and, and recontextualize all these things as well as they do, it's just really clever, really funny. Um, I hope that that has come across. It's hard to talk about a game like The Stanley Parable because you can't get into the jokes or you ruin the whole bit. But trust me, there's a lot going on there and it's absolutely worth your time, at the very least for a Let's Play. Um, because honestly, with a Let's Play, you can cut out the only downside which is that because it has to give you these multiple different decision points, it always starts you back at the start, which means there are certain pieces of dialogue that do get repetitive. Um, they try to do some things to, to mess with that every once in a while, keep you on your toes. But overall, there's only so many times you can pass the same few rooms and not feel like, you know, it'd be cool if I could just skip to the decision-making part, but that would defeat the whole purpose. I understand how we got there. Um, but yeah, great game. I do recommend it. Uh, and I hope that those of you listening at home will recommend this podcast because we are done with it uh, as of now. Uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Well, we aren't done as of now because we have to do this outro and, you know, that takes a few minutes. And we could go on a tangent talking about Tabula. Uh but, <laughs> as always, you guys can find me uh, extolling the virtues of the blue door at C80s underscore LOL. 
and you could find me uh, enjoying the red door at at Chase Wassner on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. That's where you're going to find this show. And, of course, uh, the Final Cut podcast, which is where Walter and I talk about movies that we have seen uh, that gets published all the weeks in which we're not publishing this one. So if that sounds fun to you, definitely follow the Rough Drafts podcast feed to get all of our different shows. Otherwise, just stick here to the Steam Cleaners uh, stream. We love having you, and we love talking about all these games, and we'd love to hear what games, uh, what you think about the games we've been playing and if there's anything you'd like us to check out, because I got to tell you, I got a lot of video games I need to play through. So... Um, Feel free to, to point me in some directions and I'll see what I can do. Uh, as long as it's not Amnesia the Dark Descent, you will never find me playing a full-on horror game. No thank you. Um, Come back but... next week when Chase will tell us about Resident Evil 7. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, until next time, goodbye, Internet.